Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Last class session we talked about the second half of Grindhouse called Death Proof. And this class session we're going to jump right into Inglorious Bastards. Um, so there's an interesting backstory behind this movie that I think we need to talk a little bit about just to give you some context here. After Jackie Brown, this is the next thing Quentin Tarantino started to write. This was going to be his next project and it he had the exact opposite of writer's block. He couldn't stop writing. He he couldn't figure out an end to this movie. He just kept writing and writing and writing and writing and writing until it was so big. It either had to be a miniseries or possibly even a novel. Um, so he took a break, <laughs> tried to tame himself by doing Kill Bill, and then ended up with a two-part movie there, and then did Death Proof, and then came back to this. And by the time he came back to it, he had a much different view on it and was able to kind of at the behest, actually, of, of, of uh, French filmmaker Luc Besson. Um, he he took one more shot at trying to do this as a film and he he changed some things around and kind of kind of got a different handle on it and and turned it into the movie that it is today. So that original concept, though, was based on characters Characters that he kept, but characters that also evolved as the script evolved. So, like, for example, uh, Shoshana Dreyfus, um, he says in the book Quentin Tarantino interviews, uh, by the way, there's a lot of interviews in this book about this movie that have really poor titles, and they actually repeat the same title a couple of times. So um, I'm going to give you the title of this, and I should have more information with it, and I don't. Um, so you're just going to have to go with me on this, because I want to cite my sources. It says, Quentin Tarantino, The Inglorious Bastards Interview. He says, and I quote, My original conceptions of Shoshana was of a real badass, a Joan of Arc of the Jews, killing Nazis, sniping them off roofs, pulling mol Molotov cocktails. Then I thought, no, that's too much like the bride. So I made her more realistic, more of a survivor. And then a situation happens that she can take advantage of. So what happened was he wrote Shoshana in a way that, and he ended up borrowing a lot of her for the bride in Kill Bill. So when he came back to this, he couldn't repeat himself. So he, he changed her, he keeps the character, but he changes the actions of the character. And so what that ended up meaning was there was this massive rewrite. He, he I don't know what he wrote in the first draft, <laughs> first several drafts of this, but it, he says it's completely different. The strange thing is though, he kept his three main characters. He kept Shoshana, he kept Aldo, and he kept Hans Landa. But there's one major change, and that was he introduced a new character called Frederick Zoller. And if you've seen the movie, you know who that is, played by Daniel Bruhl. The introduction of that character changed the entire story. And that's something that I think that, that, that Quentin as a writer-director really makes a point of. And that is his characters impact his story and the structure this is his process. This may not be your process, but this is his process when it comes to writing. He said this in his interview with Charlie Rose. He says, I guess when, I, when it comes to the actual writing of the piece, when it really becomes what it's going to become, it's about character. And the dialogue just really comes out of the character. I don't lead the characters. I let the characters lead me, both as far as who they are and the conversations and even the scenario itself. This is something that, that Quentin's talked about for a long time. People ask him, and he usually talks about it in the context of dialogue, but it's bigger than that because everybody admires his dialogue, or not everybody, but so many people admire his dialogue and, and are always asking him, well, how do you how do you get that? And he says, he often says, well, he just sits the two characters down and gets them 
you know, just gets them talking to each other. And once they talk to each other, they kind of just take it off and go. And I've heard a lot of writers talk about this, how they don't write consciously. They write from a subconscious, basically. And as the... And, and, and sometimes the characters will say and do things that they didn't see coming. Like, they'll type it out. Like, when when they're in a zone, they're just going. And all of a sudden, they're like, wait, what? But it doesn't stop them. They just keep going. That's how Quentin writes. Um, I've personally never really been able to do that. But um, maybe it's because I don't let myself do it. I don't know. Um, he, he, he elaborates in this Charlie Rose interview because he that last part... Um, both as far as they are and the conversations and even the scenario itself. He he says, if I'm trying to get the characters from point A to point B, and as they go, they might take a left turn and not go straight to A to B, and then maybe make their way around to B. And sometimes they don't make their way to B at all. They don't they they don't get over there ever. And at that point, what he does is he doesn't overanalyze it. He just says, oh, well, that was Quentin's idea, and that was a dumb idea, and the characters know better than I do. And so he just follows them, just wherever they go. So his characters really impact his stories. Without, without strong characters, he wouldn't be able to make the stories that he does. To the point that it, it even influences how he ends up structuring the film. In another poorly titled interview from Quentin Tarantino Interviews, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards interview... He says, I think it's a movie with three lead roles, Hans Landa, Shoshana, and Aldo Rain. The movie is set up with the first three chapters for these three characters, or for these characters, excuse me. You get Shoshana's backstory, even though you don't know her in the first chapter, and in the third chapter, you do. To me, that's the structure of it. The first three stories, and, and then, from chapter four until the end, a straight-ahead adventure. So again, he ends up structuring the film in a way that reflects his characters, which brings up the question... Quentin, how do you create these characters? Well, I'll tell you. So one of the things that Quentin Tarantino will do is he will write entire scenes that he knows will never end up in the movie. And what those scenes are is backstory. Because for him, once he's written it, that's happened. Because remember how he writes, the characters tell him what happens. So he'll write these backstory scenes that have no chance of ever making it the movie, and he knows that. But now it's become official backstory history of the character. Now, on this particular movie, he did something very different, and it, this this could have backfired on him, and he, he got very lucky. He didn't spend a lot of time thinking about the movie as he was writing it. He wasn't thinking—normally as he's writing, somewhere along the way, he starts thinking about, oh, you know, who 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 could play this character? Who could play Aldo Rain? Well, maybe so-and-so or so-and-so, and he's still writing, you know. But thinking about who could be Aldo Rain, you know, and eventually it's like, ooh, Brad Pitt could be good. Maybe we could work with Brad. Um, he didn't do that hardly at all for this movie. He wasn't worried about who was going to play who. He wasn't thinking about the movie. He was just worried about what was on the page. And that helped him create really, really rich characters because he wasn't worried about, well, I wonder if so-and-so could pull that off. Or he wasn't writing toward a certain actor's physicality or their performance or their, you know... Because everybody has limitations, even great actors. He wasn't writing for actors. He was writing just for the characters and just let the characters go. And then, hey, figure it out later. And that could have backfired on him. It could have. Um, especially with someone like Hans Landa, who he describes as not just not just a guy who knows a bunch of languages, a linguistic genius. He needed someone who could portray that. He got very lucky to find Christoph Waltz, who has that kind of linguistic... Um, Ability. 
so so he got lucky there but that was that was how he created these characters he wasn't worried about who was going to play who he was just worried about let's get this out on the page and make it as rich as possible now one of the other things that he does is remember quentin tarantino thought at first he wanted to be an actor so he took a lot of acting courses and took a lot of acting training and he uses that training to get a handle on his characters he doesn't approach characters from a writing perspective. He approaches them from an acting perspective. And this is something that I've heard so many filmmakers say. If you want to be a filmmaker, and usually it's put in the perspective of a director, but Quentin says not only as a director but as a writer, you need to learn acting. I've heard so many people say this. Um, I got this advice once from a from an executive producer um, by the name of Stratton Leopold who's produced a number of films including Mission Impossible 3 I, I, I talked to him directly and he told me then because I, I, I told him I wanted to be a director and he said well if you're going to be a director you need to take acting classes I still haven't um, but there's there's that there's there's being able to approach it from a different mindset this this acting training can help you become a better writer at least Quentin seems to think so it certainly helped him but what that means so actors aren't allowed to be moral judges of their own character you just have to play the role. You have to be that person. You have to play that character. You're not allowed to be a moral judge. And so that's something that Quentin has incorporated into his writing. So once again from Quentin Tarantino, the Inglorious Bastards interview, he says, I had this whole story with Pitt's character, Aldo. Aldo has been fighting racism in the South. He was fighting the Klan before he ever got into World War II. And the fact that Aldo is part Indian is, is a very important aspect of my whole conception of turning the Jews in America into American Indians fighting the unfightable losing cause. So that's just the tip, right? That's just that's just the tip of the iceberg with Aldo. Because if you've seen the movie, you know how violent he is, how, how unmerciful he is. Because Quentin gets into that. He says in the interview Pulp and Circumstance, Tarantino rewrites history, if you're really going with the idea that we're desecrating the bodies to strike fear in the hearts of German soldiers, then we had to see what they're talking about. If you notice, it goes beyond just scalping. The bastards do little things like they take boots and their socks off and throw them away so they're barefoot as they're lying there dead. There's a desecration, but there's also a robbing of dignity going on. Aldo's one of the heroes of this movie, and his bastards are, are, are one of the heroes of this movie. They are the most violent characters in the film, on screen. I mean, we see, you know, I mean, and we're talking about these guys taking on Nazis. They are by far the most violent characters in the film. And he goes on to explain in another interview called Days of Glory, where I'm coming from is this. The bastards don't have any concerns. They're not there to do any straight-up fighting. They ambushed the Nazi soldiers in the first place. They're not about to... And he's talking about the ending of the movie here. They're not about to give them a fucking chance. Sorry. Their whole modus operandi is to desecrate them. But here's my portrayal of a German sergeant. He's not a cringing coward. He's actually heroic if you consider his point of view. The same thing again with Frederick Zoller. Under any criteria criteria of heroic action in war, Zoller meets those criteria. If Audie Murphy is a hero, Zoller is a hero. So you can enjoy what the Bastards are doing, and I set it up for you to enjoy it. But I don't make it that easy. The Bastards don't have any problem killing everybody in that theater. The wives of the officers, the girlfriends. Maybe you have a problem with it. How you feel about it is how you feel about it, but it is not easy. Because Quentin refuses to be a moral judge on his characters, he sets up situations that 
when you really start to analyze them, create some interesting um, ideas and concepts that are being floated. Because, like, so, for example, the bastards are, are, are using old-school Apache Indian warfare, where they take out small groups at a time, but they do it in a way that the story lives on, and they're engaging in psychological warfare, basically. The bastards, they don't, they don't care about the Nazis. They don't care. Like, they are there to just mess people up. And the funny thing is the way he portrays a lot of the Germans is they actually have some um, honorable traits, you know. You know, it, it, it's just that they happen to be wearing the wrong uniform. This kind of ties into everything we're talking about, where by not being a moral judge, it allows them to create rich characters, not just flat two-dimensional characters, rich three-dimensional full-on characters that end up impacting the structure of the film, end up impacting the story of the film, and that impacts how the how the audience feels about the film. And I think that's one of the reasons that this movie is so successful is it's not cut and dry. He talks about Hans Landa in the same interview, Days of Glory. He says, there are some things in the writing that kind of allow you to feel that way about Landa. One is that into the movie a little bit, you realize Landa is not a dyed-in-the-wool party member. He's doing a job. He's not a rabid Third Riker. The Nazis aren't a religion for him. He's a very practical man. Now, I'm not saying he's an innocent in any way, but he's obviously not Goebbels. And and Londa is, he, if nothing else, he's the leading or uh, antagonist in the film, right? Um, he, he he said he considers him one of. Let's see, I pulled the quote earlier. Um, mm, oh, sorry. Um, I think it's a movie of three lead roles: Hans Landa, Shoshana, and Aldo Ren. He na he lists Londa at the head of that, and in many interviews, he calls Londa maybe his greatest character. Um. And it's because he's three-dimensional. He has one of the one of the best things you can do to create a three-dimensional character is create um, uh, contradictions. Because as much as we would like to think people are consistent, they're not. Right? Londa's the has been nicknamed the Jew Hunter, but he's not this this rabid Third Riker. He's just doing a job. So yeah, I mean that's that's characters for you. Uh, there's a lot to chew on there. I, I, I hope I gave you something to work with. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, that's all I'm going to do on. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's all Quentin's got for us on Inglorious Bastards. I mean, he's got more, but that's all I'm going to pull. Um, so next up we got Django and chain, the hateful eight, and then we're going to do Alita battle angel, which just came out this year. Um, and then I might as well give you the last one. Obviously after that, we're going to talk about once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, yeah, hopefully I can find enough to talk to us about both of those. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, that's all we've got for this class session. Um, that's what we're doing next. Um, if you like what you've been listening to, check out, uh, give us a like, a rating, a comment, a review, something, uh, wherever it is you get the show, whether it's SoundCloud, uh, Google Google Play, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, of course. Um, if you want... Um, if you want some more material, um, it's not quite learning from the masters. It's it's learning from the amateurs. But um, uh, but you can see all the things that I'm messing up on um, as I try uh, some of the stuff that Robert Rodriguez has taught us um, on my on the Hitchcock University YouTube channel. Uh, you can subscribe there if you'd like, or uh, you can also follow follow that and 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 just other pod news um, on uh, Facebook. 
uh, where we got uh, the Hitchcock University Facebook page and or follow us on Twitter, which is uh, at Hitch underscore U as in university, letter U. And then, of course, you can email the podcast. Um, you can email us. Uh, our Gmail address is hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com, all lowercase, one word, Hitchcock University. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Um, thank you again for listening to Hitchcock University Podcast, where you learn filmmaking from the masters like Quentin Tarantino. Um, I've been Taylor Bickle, and we will talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks so much.